Welcome to my podcast. Podtunes is the perfect way to fall asleep while listening to the best horror, history, and true crime stories. This podcast is presented by Bed Temporis, bedtime stories that will keep you up at night. If you want to hear your story featured on my podcast, email me at mypodtune at gmail.com. That's spelled M-Y-P-O-D-T-U-N-E at gmail.com. This episode includes discussions about sexual assault, murder, and cannibalism. Listener discretion is advised. Today we are exploring the true crime case of the Maryland murders committed by an infamous serial killer, Joseph Roy Metheny. Joseph Roy Metheny was an American murderer from the Baltimore, Maryland area who had claimed to kill up to 13 people. However, sufficient evidence was only found to convict him for two murders. His victims were heavily involved with alcohol and addictive hard drugs, as Metheny was himself, and the killings also involved brutal sexual assaults. Metheny was one of six children. His father was an alcoholic that was killed in a car accident when Joe was only six years old. Because of this, Joe's mother was forced to take up multiple jobs outside of the house to provide for the family. With her busy work schedule, Joe was sent to live with multiple families, producing a foster-like environment. Joe would falsely claim that his mother was dead. His mother said that they were somewhat poor and she had to work multiple jobs such as waitressing, bartending, and food truck driving, but she had provided her children with a normal family life to the best of her ability and the children had never gone hungry or been put into homes of other families such as Joe had claimed. She said that Joe was an above average student, always polite. She said that he was smart and had a good childhood. If he felt neglected it was his own fault. It was a pretty good home. In his early adult life, Joe joined the United States Army when he turned 18 in 1973. Again, Joe Metheny and his mother have differing claims. His mother said that he had served in Germany, although he had claimed he had served a tour in Vietnam and had become addicted to heroin while in an artillery unit there. His mother said that she had no recollection of him serving in Vietnam, and the circumstances of his service were reported as unverified in press reports. American involvement in Vietnam had ended by that time. Joe seldom contacted his mother after he joined the army. She said, quote, He just kept drifting further and further away. I think the worst thing that ever happened to him was drugs. It's a sad, sad story. End quote. After his battle with addiction in the army, his addiction took over his life as a civilian. Metheny was ironically known as Tiny in the 1990s as he was 6'1", tall, large-framed, and overweight. He had been spending time in bars, living with bands of homeless men in the makeshift camps of South Baltimore, and spending nearly all of his money on crack cocaine, heroin, and liquor. However, he held a steady job as a forklift driver and was universally described as intelligent, well-spoken, and very well-mannered. In the 1990s, Joe Metheny became infamous in the Baltimore area and beyond. In 1994, his drug-addicted wife left and took their child away as well. Joe became enraged and took his anger out in the most disturbing of ways, preying on vulnerable members of society. He went searching for his wife and ended up finding two homeless men under a bridge. Joe assumed that the men did drugs with his spouse, and because of that, they were partially the reason that she left. He ended up murdering both of them with an axe. The two murders were only the beginning of a long and gory night. Joe became filled with bloodlust 
and hours later he lured two prostitutes under the bridge where he murdered them as well. He confessed to killing a fifth person too. Joe spotted a nearby fisherman who may have been a witness to the crimes. He killed the fisherman and dumped the body along with the two prostitutes in the river. We want to take a moment and talk about how stigmatized and how susceptible sex workers are to violence. According to a 2004 study, in the U.S., sex workers are 18 times more likely to be a victim of homicide. Due to the nature of their profession, sex workers are less likely to seek out police help when they are assaulted or have an encounter with a violent or aggressive client. Because sex work is criminalized in most places, they are not protected from the law, which prevents them from seeking help. In the description, there's a link to decriminalize sex work to help get rid of the stigma against sex workers and in turn help protect them. As well, in the episode notes, we will link an informative podcast episode of Ho in the Know. That's H-E-A-U-X in the K-N-E-A. AUX, where they discuss the difference and implications of legalization versus decriminalization. The bodies of the two homeless men were found and Joe spent a mere year and a half in jail before being acquitted. He was now free once more to terrorize Baltimore. Soon Joe Metheny murdered two more prostitutes but didn't want to risk evidence being found. He decided to chop up their bodies and keep the parts in a freezer. Joe couldn't keep the body parts in his freezer forever so he devised a stomach churning plan. He opened up a roadside barbecue stand where he sold roast beef and pork sandwiches. You can probably guess the special ingredient in his sandwiches. Here's a direct quote from Joe Metheny. The human body taste was very similar to pork. If you mix it together, no one can tell the difference. So the next time you're riding down the road and you happen to see an open pit beef stand that you've never seen there before, make sure you think about this story before you take a bite of that sandwich. Nobody knows how many strangers were served the human meat sandwiches. What we do know is that Joe eventually ran out of his special meat and sought out another sex worker to murder and butcher. Joe killed Kimberly Lynn Spicer in mid-November 1996 by stabbing her with a knife. He kidnapped Rita Kemper on December 8, 1996 and attempted to rape her. According to the prosecutors, he shared drugs with Kemper in the trailer where he was living at the pallet factory site. She refused to have sex with him and ran out of the trailer. So he chased her, beat her, dragged her back into the trailer, and then pulled down her pants and attempted to rape her. Kemper said he had attempted to murder her, saying, quote, I'm going to kill you and bury you in the woods with the other girls. She escaped through the window of the trailer and fled to the police officers in the area. Metheny then asked a friend to help him bury the body of Spicer, which he had been hiding at the factory site since killing her a month earlier. The friend reported it to the police on December 15th, 1996, and Metheny was arrested and charged with her murder on the same day. The owner of the business was arrested with Metheny as they left a Christmas party and was charged as an accessory after the fact for allegedly disposing of evidence. Metheny began to confess other murders as well as that of Spicer. He led police to a shallow grave where he had reburied Catherine's decapitated remains. Much of the skull was missing, but the police were able to identify Kathy from the dental records. Police said that he had chosen young white sex workers who were addicted to heroin and cocaine. The killings also involved brutal sexual assaults. He was indicated for killing Tony Lynn Ingracia, age 28, but those charges were dropped for lack of evidence. He claimed to have also killed three other prostitutes along Washington Boulevard in Baltimore, although there was no evidence of most of these crimes other than his confession. He said that he had thrown the bodies in the Patapsco River and they had never been found. 
The Baltimore Sun newspaper reported in 1997 that it was not clear how truthful his claims were about how many people he'd killed. Although he said he had killed up to 10 people, his attorney said that he was remorseful and that drugs and alcohol had changed his personality and made him violent. He was tried in 1997 in the Kemper case and given a sentence of 50 years for kidnapping and attempted sexual assault. He was acquitted of attempting to murder her. He was sentenced to death in 1998 for the murder of Spicer. In August 1998, he pleaded guilty to murdering and robbing Catherine Magaziner, and prosecutors sought the death penalty in that case as well. He received a sentence of life in prison for that case. His death sentence was overturned in 2000, and the sentence for the murder of Spicer was reduced to life without parole. The rationale for the death penalty was that the murder had been committed in a robbery, but evidence indicated that robbery was not his motivation. He was found dead in his prison cell at the Western Correctional Institution in Cumberland, Maryland on August 5th, 2017 at the age of 62. Thanks for listening to this episode of Podtoons. Podtoons is updated on a weekly basis, so be sure to tune in next week. Research for this show will be linked in the description.